and that really, you know, at this point doesn't really have an end in sight. And so while Russia has been making incredible gains in the Donbass region uh, in collaboration with the republics, with the people of the Donbass region, we see that the overall war, the overall situation, the overall conflict between Ukraine and Russia is likely to last for a while. And that's because the Biden administration has been pouring gasoline onto this fire, has been continuing to arm Ukraine, escalating, 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 providing more and more weaponry. And it began with Ukraine receiving all these old weapons. And I'm not a military expert, but all of these old weapons, this is a, a staple of actually of the arms trade of how the United States actually does things. The United States usually gives a lot of older weapons, dumps them. It's dumped them in Taiwan. It's dumped them in other places, kind of dumps these overproduce older weapons that aren't really being used and so they give them to proxies to client states etc which generally can't be used right or they're just so ineffective that if there was to be an actual open conflict if there was to be a conflict where they needed to be used it's likely that these governments these militaries wouldn't fare too well and that was how the ukraine the war uh, uh in Ukraine started, right? Russia had a decisive advantage in terms of its military capabilities, but of late, that has changed a lot. And this doesn't mean that Russia is going to lose the war. I don't think that's possible because this was a special military operation. There were very specific goals, but it does mean that some of the goals may be arrested and or not achieved, right? Do we really foresee the demilitarization of Ukraine, Russia being able to facilitate that? Do we really see Russia being able to facilitate the denazification of Ukraine? It really isn't likely given the fact that the United States is now throwing modern weaponry to Ukraine. And these modern weapons, regardless of whether Ukraine has the capacity to use them or not or use them correctly, they will be used and they will provide some help, if not immense help, to the capacity for Ukraine to continue on in this war without the possibility or without the, or without the real incentive to surrender or to come to some kind of agreement, to come to some kind of uh, negotiations that can work for both sides. So I'm going to share this very short report in Common Dreams because this goes over the latest iteration of what the Biden administration is doing in Ukraine and how it is militarizing the situation, which really does point to the possibility of permanent war. And when there is permanent war, that means the threat of a potential escalation between the U.S. and Russia is that much more likely. So let me zoom in a little bit for you guys. All right. So it's a uh, Written in Common Dreams, written yes, published yesterday, Slippery Slope, just got a lot sleeper, steeper. U.S. to send Ukraine advanced missiles as Russia holds nuclear drills. Peace advocates fear that Biden administration's high-tech arms shipments to Ukraine are increasing the likelihood of a full-scale conflict between the U.S. and Russia. So, peace advocates warned on Tuesday 
that the Biden administration's newly unveiled decision to arm Ukraine with advanced missile systems further heightens the risk of direct military conflict between the U.S. and Russia, which accused the White House of, quote, adding fuel to the fire deliberately, end quote, as Moscow's deadly invasion of its neighbor rages on. This is, of course, the bias of the liberal, even the anti-war left media. So the slippery slope leading to direct military confrontation of the United States toward Russia just got a lot steeper, said Medea Benjamin, co-founder of group Code Pink, the anti-war group, who wrote in response to the Biden administration's move, which was followed by news that Russian forces are holding nuclear drills northeast of Moscow on Wednesday. So here it is. The U.S.-made high-mobility artillery rocket system known as HIMARS will give Ukraine the capability to strike Russian targets roughly 50 miles away with powerful satellite-guided missiles. The rocket system, the most advanced weaponry of the United that the United States has sent to Ukraine to date, is manufactured by Lockheed Martin, the world's largest military contractor. So this is an indication that this $40 billion package, we already knew that nearly 40% of it is going to military contractors. And here you see the fruits of that. Uh, the military contractors, the military industrial complex is winning out in this proxy war that the United States is waging toward Russia through Ukraine. Uh, this is really a test drive, I think, of the United States' military industrial complex for the entire region, because we know that what NATO is, right, this drive for NATO expansion, is really just a uh, is really just an escalation of a dynamic and a reality that's existed in the region for quite some time, which is post-Soviet Union falling 1991. The United States has essentially dumped its military hardware and weaponry, surrounded Russia along its border, and it has done that through NATO. And the subsumption, the consumption of these countries into NATO has only spelled more lucrative opportunities for the military industrial complex to make super profits. I mean, this is the relationship, this is the connection between political alliances, military alliances, and war profiteering. And war profiteering, as we all know, during the war on terror, massively increased, right? The US invasion of Iraq, the US invasion of Afghanistan, these wars opened the floodgates to massive increases in the military budget, which led to massive increase in subsidies to military contractors, which of course led to uh, massive increases in the influence that these military contractors have abroad. Their ability to send these kind of weapons, occupy countries through arms transfers and control of these governments uh, through these military relationships, uh, profiteering relationships, which uh, ultimately uh, uh, I think says a lot about the situation in Ukraine. I mean, this is the situation in Ukraine. And I wrote in a speech that I gave at an event that was held in Istanbul, uh, not in Istanbul, Ankara, Turkey, that I'll be publishing later this week with uh, the video. I said that these kind of relationships that the United States is forging with Ukraine is creating a dependency. So Ukraine is actually going to suffer a lot from this because these transfers are not free. This is Lend-Lease, right? So the United States is providing these weapons to Ukraine's government. Once this is quote-unquote over or whenever the United States demands, these this lending will need to be paid back. That's what the United States 
will require. And how will the Ukraine pay it back? It will likely pay it back in the form of just immense austerity and uh, uh, sell-offs of assets, etc., right? A real gutting of the economy. And the same goes um, for all of the economic loans, right? The arrangements that have been made uh, by the IMF to Ukraine uh, since 2014. All of this is going to have to be paid back. None of it is free. So to move on, it says, according to the Congressional Budget Office, the Pentagon has spent around $5.5 billion to buy more than 42,000 HIMARS rockets since 1998. U.S. President Joe Biden, who recently visited a Lockheed Martin facility in Alabama, took to the pages of the New York Times on Tuesday to explain his decision to supply Ukraine with high-tech weaponry, despite the risk that such arms could prolong the war and increase the already ghastly civilian death toll. Quote, said Biden, we will continue providing Ukraine with advanced weaponry, including Javelin anti-tank missiles, Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, powerful military and precision rocket systems, radars, unmanned aerial vehicles, MI-17 holocopters, and ammunition, Biden wrote, arguing that continued U.S. weapons shipments put Ukraine in the, quote, strongest possible position at the negotiating table, end quote. So this is the United States' definition of diplomacy, right? It really is not diplomacy at all. It's just waging war to force your hand so that you can get what you want. You can have everything that you want. And this is laughable to call this diplomacy or to say that this gives you a, a, a stronger hand at the negotiating table. I mean, there really is no negotiating table when you factor in these weapons being transferred to Ukraine or how wherever the United States is waging these kind of wars, whether it's by proxy or whether it's through direct intervention, the negotiating table doesn't really exist when the United States is playing such a direct role in facilitating and escalating war because this is the role that the United States plays. It's these weapons create this hegemonic uh, ambition. It creates this hegemonic situation where the United States acts as the arbiter of what negotiating, what diplomacy, and ultimately what international law is. So what the United States is essentially saying, what Biden is saying is that the only way to negotiate is by putting a gun to the head of the other side, by putting these weapons pointing right directly toward this other side that you're supposed to be in this case russia negotiating with it's it's absolutely laughable in my estimation and also it's very dangerous because this is how you manufacture consent for war is that you render words like negotiations like diplomacy like international law you render them meaningless so, it's a, so this article concludes, Moscow has repeatedly said that it views Western arms shipments to Ukraine as quote-unquote legitimate targets, but Biden waved away the idea that such deliveries would lead to head-to-head -head military conflict between the U.S. and Russia. Quote, he said, we do not take a war between NATO and Russia, the president declared Tuesday. As much as I disagree with Mr. Putin and find his actions an outrage, the United States will not try to bring an ouster in Mo about his ouster in Moscow. So long as the United States and our allies are not attacked, we will not directly engage in this conflict either by sending American troops to fight in Ukraine or by attacking Russian forces, end quote. We are not encouraging or enable Ukraine, enabling Ukraine to strike beyond its borders. We do not want to prolong the war just to inflict pain on Russia, he added. 
comments that appear to conflict with recent remarks by Pentagon Secretary Lloyd Austin, who said last month that the U.S. wants to, quote, see Russia weaken to the degree that it, to the degree that it can't do the kinds of things that it has done in invading Ukraine, end quote. We want to see them not have the capability to very, re to very quickly reproduce that capability, end quote. That's what Austin, Lloyd Austin is saying. So this is, I mean, look, at this is just emblematic of Joe Biden, the Biden administration's inconsistent rhetoric that is, meant, that is really meant to, I think, distract from the consistent policy. I mean, think about this. The Biden administration is saying, we don't want war with Russia. We don't want to weaken Russia. We're not trying to bring about regime change in Russia. And then goes on to basically carry through all of the policies that suggest the exact opposite. Militarizing Ukraine, sending these high -tech, this high-tech weaponry to Ukraine directly, it speaks for itself. It says that the United States wants permanent war in Ukraine with Russia, that Ukraine will be a permanent proxy against Russia and will be militarized to the teeth in order to ensure that Russia is not able to really engage or enforce or uh, attempt to have its security interests met, right? That's really what the Biden administration is doing. And then the political arm of the Biden administration, not the military arm, because the military arm is telling the whole truth there. <laughs> Lloyd Austin is saying that the United States is trying to reduce Russia's capability of carrying out the special military operation and making sure that it can't do so again. That is a direct target. That is saying that the United States' policy is to weaken Russia militarily, which by extension is to weaken Russia politically. And I've said on the show, and I've proven it right here on this program, that the United States, whether it's through backing civil society, funding civil society groups, whether it's through militarization of the region, and, and whether it's through economic warfare, is trying to bring about the weakening of Russia's government and the delegitimization of Vladimir Putin's leadership. So Lloyd Austin is telling the truth, and it's the Biden administration, Joe Biden, Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, right, the kind of diplomatic core of the United States' foreign policy establishment. They're the ones who are saying that, oh, actually, we are not trying to wage war on Russia. We're not trying to prolong a war as long as Russia doesn't attack our weapons, doesn't attack our allies, doesn't attack us, then we're fine. But how does that figure into a reality where the United States is uh, sending these weapons to Ukraine's military, to all of the various armed groups that operate within Ukraine's military, and is actively training these groups on how to use them and on, uh, uh, you know, uh, how to carry out this war. I mean, the United States has been doing this for many years, has been training Ukraine's armed forces along with Canada and other Western countries. So ultimately, if Russia's aim is to demilitarize Ukraine, really by any means necessary at this point, how does it figure that the United States doesn't have a target on its back when it sends all of these high-tech weapons to Ukraine? I mean, it's it's very, very dicey and dangerous. So Medea Benjamin here is absolutely correct to raise fears about this because the line, right, the line of demarcation around this issue of whether this kind of militarization, this kind of escalation is going to bring about 
a direct confrontation between the U.S. and Russia is very thin, right? I, 